share in your word, to listen to your word. We pray that you open our eyes, grant us revelation and understanding. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are on uh, weapons of our warfare number nine. Our text is Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Remember what we said before. It doesn't work unless you follow the script. It says to take the whole armor of God. You can't do this taking part of it, choosing the one you want to put on. You've got to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all, take your stand. Having done all, take your stand. Stand, therefore. You can see how many times this stand, stand is repeated. Having your lions got about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fairy death of the wicked, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this is where we are today. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we have been studying the weapons of our spiritual warfare because we have an enemy out there determined to ruin our lives, ruin our faith. And if we let him, he's determined to deceive us, make us believe wrongly so we do not experience all that Jesus died to make available to us. The Bible calls him a thief. He wants to rob you and I of everything that Jesus paid with his life for you to have. And, but we need to remind ourselves of some very important truths as we go on to this praying with all prayers and supplication in the spirit. Number one, we must remember that the enemy is already under our feet. It's important that you know this, that you are engaging from a position of strength, not from a position of disadvantage. You got to know this because from the way people talk about Satan, spend hours fighting Satan, you would think he's God. You would think he's, he's, he's whatever he's not. But you got to understand what the scripture says, that he is under your feet, meaning that you, we are higher than he is in spiritual authority. He belongs way below your feet. I mean, if he's below, I mean, talking of way below your feet. The devil is not in your class. You are sons of God in the family of God. You're not, he's not in your class at all. So you need to understand this. Ephesians 1.19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power 
to us what who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far, far above all principalities and all power and might and dominion and every name that is named, all of them. Not only in this world, but also in, in that which is to come, 22, and had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, to the church, to the church, the body, his body. And he says, which is his body? Which is his body? The fullness of him that filleth all things, all in all. Now, if the church is his body, and he puts all things under his feet, and he seated above all these things far, where is the church sitting? I'm standing here. My body just can't but be where I am. My head cannot be somewhere else, and my body is somewhere else. So if you say you put something under my feet, it's so easy to understand that it's under me, under my body. I'm stepping on top of it. It's way below me. So the church is his body. His body. And you are part of this body. My hand cannot be somewhere else where the rest of my body is. I think it's a simple illustration for us to understand. That when the, when the scripture says that Jesus is seated, seated far, you are seated with him in heavenly places. Why? Oh, you are part of his body. So all the spirits are way below you, <laughs> under your feet. You must remember this truth and stop believing all this kind of stuff that is all over the place. Follow scripture strictly and you'll be fine. The enemy has been defeated and disarmed for the longest time and publicly displayed as a loser. The devil is the biggest loser of all times. But when you watch what people do today, oh my God, you would think that he's so tough. He's somebody who can't deal with. You have to fast 30 days, fast 40 days. If I have to do that, then what did Jesus achieve? It means Jesus didn't defeat him. He left me to go and deal with what he couldn't do. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. The devil has been defeated, church. Devil has been defeated. Don't give him honor he doesn't have. Don't treat him that he enjoys it. Because it's a proud spirit. wants to see it where God is. He, he loves it when... Christians are exhorting him, talking only about, you go to church all day, talk about it, Satan, 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 demon, 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 demon. Oh, they say you need to know the devil. There's no scripture that says you should know the devil. None. Because it's not the truth. What you should know is the truth. Paul said, I want to know Christ. Colossians 2.13. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut off, cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. We came to Christ. God made us alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. I can't go back there because we were talking about this last Thursday. He forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away 
by nailing it to the cross. When he died, shed his blood, his blood washed away our sins. His blood took away our sins. Cleaned it out. And so, the Bible says in verse 15, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. When he died and shed his blood and washed away the thing that was attracting all these f- spiritual flies called demons, they had nothing. They have no more, no more authority to be there. You know, when you have a dirty environment, it attracts cockroaches, attracts flies, and you wake up one morning and say, I've had enough of this, and you clean house. You clean house, you get disinfectant, you clean everyone. You're not going to see any fly around there, no cockroach, everything. Open windows. The, play, the thing that attracts them is gone. So the thing that gave the devil their power or sin, we discussed it last Thursday. You can go back and listen to that. That when sin entered, death came with it. Not before. So what the devil, what empowered him was the sin of mankind. Remember that before Adam sinned, the devil was there. They couldn't do anything. He didn't have the power, couldn't do anything until Adam listened to him. And he took over from Adam. Before then, he was there. They couldn't do anything. So when Jesus came and cleaned off the sins that gave him that authority, he lost what he trusted in. It's like flies losing the death that they trusted in. That's what the scripture is saying. That Jesus stripped principalities and powers and shamed them openly. That all the enemy's weapons have been stripped away by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. You know, when somebody is, commits crime, there is, it's, it's lawful to put him in jail and make him pay for it. But when that crime is atoned for by either payment or by any other thing, the state loses the authority to put that person in jail because whatever he did has been atoned for, has been totally paid for. The state loses. The devil lost it because whatever we did has been fully paid for. Nothing again to hold on. So you cannot be bound no more. That's what this place is saying. You must know that the devil has been defeated longest time. And you must understand the place of the blood in redeeming you, paying the price for your life to set you free from the powers of Satan. No Christian should ever, ever be afraid of a defeated spirit called the devil. No matter where you confront him, shows up in your dream, shows up anywhere, look at him and say, you're under my feet. And he knows it. He knows the truth. He knows that this is the truth. You must not, must not be afraid of him. If you become afraid of him, he will eat you like lunch. Fear is what he uses to paralyze Christians. Your faith is knocked out 
And it's so absurd because the most fearful spirit is Satan himself. You know many Christians don't know? The most fearful spirit there is is the devil. That's why he gives fear. Look at the scripture, say James 2, 19. You believe there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. I mean, the Holy Spirit said they are trembling. Or they are trembling. They are trembling. Why should a Christian also be trembling? Why? It's because he's used a lot of things to get, paint a picture of himself as if he's insurmountable. When you, when, you, when you talk to Christians about what Jesus did, they're not interested in it. But when you tell them, oh, the devil did this, the devil, oh, everybody, see, oh, their eyes are open. Eh? Hey. If you, if you attribute anything to divine power, people are not liable to believe it. But when you say the devil was the one, well, they believe it quickly, very easily. That's how much people have been deceived. That's how much people have been deceived. And unless you have this paradigm shift, renewal of mind, you, you are not going to engage successfully with Satan. You are not going to. He will defeat you all the time. Because your faith is your victory. God has given me the privilege to see demons. Not because I'm anybody special. But according to his mercy, I've seen demons. I've seen them cow and run when I mention the name of Jesus. Period. I've seen them come looking like very frightening. And I've lifted the name of Jesus. I've seen that thing cow and run. When God was showing me the power in that name. Because God said to me, I will teach you myself. And he did. Brethren, I've seen all manner of demons. All types. So many others. But I've seen them defeated each time. Not by yelling, not by shouting. But by lifting up the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That name, where God invested all the authority of heaven. They bow to it and they stay bow. Every knee bows, they stay bow. Not yelling, not shouting. No. But let me tell you about you. Because you think you are the one that should be trembling. No. Look at you in Proverbs 28. The wicked flee. They are the devil. It's a wicked person. Flees when no man persuades him. But the righteous are bold as lions. We are not the fearful ones. We are the ones that are bold. The Bible says we are as bold as a lion. And I've watched lions. How confident they can be. I was so surprised that these elephants were coming. And these two lions were lying there relaxed as if nobody was coming. I'm talking of it. So many elephants coming their way. They, they relaxed, even tumbling and having some fresh air. And the elephants came and passed them by. Just left them there. They didn't even flinch. <laughs> they didn't even take notice. I remember when the elephants are moving, there's a lot of noise. They just were relaxed, having taking fresh air, having sunlight, they didn't care about anything. The Bible said that's the Christian, as bold as a liar. 
So having said all of this, the question is, so why is the devil attacking us? Because he doesn't believe you believe the Bible. He doesn't believe. He knows you don't believe it because he's been watching your actions, watching what they're doing. He knows you're not, you don't believe the Bible. So he comes to test your faith. Every man's faith will be tried. He doesn't believe you even believe in Jesus because he knows many people don't. They're just, just going to church. They don't know nothing. He, he, he doesn't believe you believe all this. Because he knows, he's seen you talk with your friends. So he knows you are just close there. So if you put pressure on you, you're going to fall. He, he's, you've been talking with your friends and you love the world. You love all the, all the things you're watching. He knows you love him, love what he gives the world. Your program, television program. He knows what you watch. He knows everything. He's watching you. So he said, this one is very, it's quarter to. I put pressure on him, he'll crack. So what is left that he uses is just one thing. It's his nature, which is deceitful. I, I, I wanted to remind us of these truths before we go to talk about prayers. Because if you don't know these things, all these things we are teaching, you will not, you will not experience them. You, you say it doesn't work. It works. It works all the time. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent, listen to scripture, called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. That is what he's doing. Deceiving the, he has no weapons no more. So he deceived the whole world. And let me tell you, he has so many people who's, who profess that they are Christians that are speaking for him, making him important, making him powerful, giving testimonies about him, worshiping him without knowing it. They don't know they worship the devil because they don't know. Now, if you, you say, why should I worship the devil? Because you give testimony about him all the time. What is worship? He's not talking about the greatest of God. When you are talking about devil all the time, you are, you are worshiping him. Even though you don't know, some people do that because they're ignorant of it. But that's worship. And he can't have enough of it. Deceiving the whole world. There is no truth in him at all. He is evil personified. John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. The lust, this means you, the desires of your father, you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. You see, he kills and abhorred not in the truth. He doesn't live in the truth because there is no truth in him. None. He doesn't have the ability to say the truth. Everything he's saying is aimed at deceiving. All his miracles are aimed at wanting to deceive. He doesn't have ability to, to do things for the purpose of disseminating truth. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. He doesn't speak from God. For he's a liar and the father of it. You know when you say somebody is the father of this child, he gives birth to it. Which means lying and deceit come out of him. That's his nature. Lying. 
One translation said that lying is his native tongue. Now, if you're a Christian and you're given to lying, you should know the spirit that is motivating all of that. It's not the Holy Spirit. Let me read this verse in message. You are from your father, the devil, and all you want to do is please him. He was a killer from the, the very start. He couldn't stand the truth. He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth in him. When the liar speaks, he makes it up out of his lying nature and fills the world with lies. Brethren, this is what we're dealing with. You want to see how effective it is? Look at the preponderance of false doctrines that takes away your faith in Christ to whatever, including your good works and other kind of things. I was telling them in our life center, I said, every single time Christians talk of wanting to please God, I say, have you ever heard anybody talking about, I need to grow my faith? No. I want to please God. All we focus on is our good works. That's what we focus on, our good works. What to please God. It's good to have good works. It has benefits and we should have them. But brethren, the scripture says without faith, it's impossible. So if I want to please God, shouldn't I be looking at how to build my faith and make my faith strong? If really I want to please God. The route, is it not the route of making my faith strong? So because without it, I can't please God. Is it to... I forget my faith in Christ and say my good works. You know, I'm dreaming of her. And then I decide I'm going to be good tomorrow and I can't do anything. Because Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. Now we're trying to be good without him. I mean, because we don't know. So it sounds a good thing. No, wonderful. Awesome. I think if I want to please God, and God says without faith you can't please me, my focus and attention should be to build my faith because without it, I can't do this one. Brethren, I challenge you, tell me where you know people are talking about how to please God and their focus is on how do I build my faith and make sure it's strong. It doesn't go there. It doesn't go there. All it goes to is my good works. I want to prove on it. I'm going to do this. Oh, my God. I'm, oh, my God. I'm going to do that. All of that is emotional because it's not based on what the scripture says. It's human thinking. You want to know what the devil is doing? So we have to deal with his lies. And wicked schemes and deceits, we have to deal with it. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles is the old English word for cunning, devious strategies, enticements, lure to do evil. It's an old English word. Schemes of the devil. Deceitful strategies of the devil. Mind control. Wicked machinations to invade your heart and plant deceit there and plant falsehood there. And once it plants it, that's what you believe, that's what you are going to be saying. Do you know some people, in them, these wrong 
doctrine has taken so much root that they will fight for it. The Bible says he blinds people and they can't see the truth. Because you see, the Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of, the, out of, for out of it are the issues of your life. So he goes for your heart from where the, all the issues are coming. All the issues are coming. He goes from the, for your heart. And he uses what you see, what is popular, what everybody is doing. The Bible says, don't walk by sight. But we do. Because he knows we don't believe that Bible. So he brings us what we see, brings us what is popular, brings us, you know, like Abraham saw Egypt and thought there's commerce there. So he wanted to go there because of what he saw. But he went there and lost his wife and lost everything. That's what the enemy uses, what you see, because it makes sense to you. It makes sense. That's what everybody is doing. It makes sense. Popular culture, it makes sense. Never agree with the devil. Longest day you live. Never agree with the devil no matter what. He is desperate to get your agreement. If he doesn't get your agreement, you stop him dead. Because two can work together except they agree. Never give him your agreement. Don't endorse what he's telling you. Don't endorse what he's doing. Don't endorse his platform. Whether, no matter what it is. Look, you better be in the minority and be persecuted than agree with the devil because what he will do to you is worse than the persecution you get. Always endeavor to be in agreement with the word of God so that you and the Holy Spirit can have agreement. That's, that's the point we're making last Thursday about, about confessing. Confessing the word. Because you've got to confess what the Holy Spirit said, not what the devil is telling you, by what you see. That's what we said in Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him with the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, the testimony that Jesus gave should be your testimony. Hebrews 10, 23 said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for his faithful that promise. Don't waver. Always make sure you are in agreement with the word of God. I don't care what is happening to you. That thing will come to an end. Oh, for those that trust in him will never be put to shame. It has never happened, cannot happen. Somebody say, Pastor, I know somebody who believed God and this happened to him. You are lying. Because God will never lie. There has never been any such person. So how can you see such a person? Jesus said, anybody that believes in me will never be put to shame. Period. The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. That's what I was saying. I want to please God. Instead of how do I build my faith so that with it I can please God? You want to ask, how many of you know what faith means? So that's the main point we're saying on Thursday. Keep that confession of what God said steady. Don't take the confession of what the devil is showing you. Don't. Don't. If you agree with him, you have, without knowing it, giving him permission to finish what he wants to do. He's desperate for that your agreement. Deny him that. 
Man, deny, oh my God. If I perish, I perish. You are not getting it. You deal with him. You you stop him in his track. That's why you should pick up the word of God and say it is written in Satan. This is the testimony. This is where I stand. I stand here. You say, but this is happening. God said, I shouldn't walk by sight. Why am I? The Holy Spirit can't come and be showing you what is happening. He will show you what God said. He will lead you by the word. The word is lamp and light to you. That's why the Holy Spirit will point to it. But the devil will show you what is happening around, what's happening to you, what other people are doing, what other people are saying. This, you walk by sight, it makes sense. Faith looks foolish because you are believing what you don't see. But that's power. That's how you overcome the devil. So you see, so God says, I've forgiven you. The devil says, no, it's not true. How can he forgive you? Look at, look at this, look at this, look at it. And we think, whose report will you not believe? I made you right, the righteous. The devil say, you are not righteous. Look at this, look at this, look at this. And you will never really experience that until you believe before you see. You've got to believe that thing before you see it. Otherwise, you won't see it. That's just the way it works. So he chose you things that he uses to contradict God by what you see. But how about telling him, no, I don't have to walk by this. I must believe before I see. And I choose to believe God. That God is God. He will never lie. That's what pleases God. Man, that, you want to please God? Live by faith. That's what pleases God. Because that's what will produce this work of righteousness. Produce, produce the works of God in your life. Because you believe him for this, you see the glory of God in your life. You believe this, you see that manifested. You believe this one, you see it manifested. So today we are going to, I just put out these things to remind us as I think my, my spirit was leading me. So that we, we make sure that we are really doing this right. Make sure we are doing it right. Before we now go to this one, that talks of praying with all prayers in the spirit. Ephesians six eighteen, Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So <clears throat> the scripture puts it as one of the things we need to do to engage adversity and engage the devil. Many times when we teach this, we, we stop at verse 17. We don't, we don't remember that this 18 is part of that. You say, how should you know that it is part of that? Because he's talking about Praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereon with all perseverance. Now, what is the word watching? Is it not the same word that we're told, we're being told about how to deal with the devil? Watch. Be sober. Your enemy is going around. So when the scripture is telling you to be watchful, he's referring to your need to watch because of the enemy. Watching. Be watchful. Thereon with all perseverance. Why do you need to persevere? Something is challenging you. Perseverance and supplication for all sins. Now, before we go into details in all these prayers, all praying with all prayers, because that means you've got to pray all the prayers that the Holy Spirit showed us in the, in, the, in the Scripture that the church should pray. You're not going to pray all of them in one day, but you should know them. Because you pray the one that the Holy Spirit inspires you according to the need of the hour. But if you don't know them, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
The devil can give you prayer topic. He does. I remember my mentor went to preach in a church, and then immediately he got in there. The devil spoke to him and said, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? I gave them their prayer topic. What are you doing here? You came to teach them? So you must know scriptural prayer, prayers that the Holy Spirit gave to the church, New Testament prayers. And you pray them in the spirit, not by the flesh. You can't even serve God by your flesh. Your flesh is incapable of pleasing God. You've got to do everything by your spirit. Sometimes we do things emotionally. We do things by our intellect. We even come to church by intellect, read Bible by intellect, do this by intellect, and there's nothing in the spirit. So let's even look at the prayer. I mean, prayer itself. The purpose of prayer, we've been saying, is to establish the will of God. So in praying all these prayers, all of them revolve around establishing the will of God. All of them. Every prayer is to establish the will of God. Not the wisdom of men. The Holy Spirit, they say the wisdom of men come to nothing. God is not here to establish a man's wisdom. He's here to establish his own wisdom. The counsel of God will stand. So prayer is about establishing divine wisdom for you. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. According to his will. According to his will. According to his will. You know, some people go and make their plans with their wives or friends according to popular things, and they bring it to God and thus, God is never going to be your servant or husband. He won't do that. And he doesn't change. If you want him involved, you ask him what his will is. He will show you. That's what he will do. Because he created you, knows everything about you, has a purpose for bringing you to this earth, and has plans for your life which is better than anything you can think of. So you can't go and make your plans according to your fantast, fancies and whatever is popular and everything that you bring to God. If you made up your mind to marry Agnes, then you go to God and say, Lord, uh, I need your favor to marry Agnes. <laughs> who, who told you Agnes is your wife? Oh, she's beautiful. Beauty fades away. Get wise. She has beautiful legs. She will be 60. Those things fade away. But if God says, you know, Agnes is your wife. I say, yeah, Lord, thank you. I receive your will for me. Grant me wisdom to, push, to get this thing done. She'll give you wisdom to do it. You know, somebody was talking with me today. On the phone. And I, I told her what God did for us in this church. A marvelous intervention of God. That I got email from some of these people. Said, Pastor, we need to celebrate with your people. And then this young girl told me. He said, Pastor, why is it that people will not do things God's way? He said, look at what God did. He no effort, nothing effortless. And God did something that is almost impossible. No effort. Because that's his will. That's his plan. You see, why is it that people will not be content with doing the will of God? 
Why? So why do they like to frustrate themselves? Prayer is to establish divine will. Because God will never change. God will never change. You don't lead God, he leads you. You know, in my life, eh, my desire was to be a top businessman. I believe that where I come from in Nigeria, we are known for business. It's a foolish, foolish belief. I said, we are known for business. I said, running in my blood. I don't know who told me that. I said, that's, why we, that's the way all our people are business. Business. If I announced in the university, I said, after this graduation, I'm not even reading newspaper. I said, God created me for money. I came from that place. All they do is business, so that's my life. I'm going to do business, man. I'm going to really do business. And I got busy to do business. Started traveling all over the world. I bought, I went to London, bought one bag for business. Immediately I bought the bag and got up. I slipped and fell backwards flat. Hit my head back. I didn't even know. And then they came and said, are you okay? Are you? The first time I saw people treat people like that, that was my first time in London. Because if you fall in Lagos, nobody will say, are you okay? They'll say, my friend, come on there. No, you, no, you're the only one that has fallen. We get up, let's pass. They ran to me. They said, are you okay? For the first time. They said, wow, these people are different. I didn't know that God was talking to me that what you are doing will bring you failure. Man, I had this new bag. I was on my way to business trip in India. I mean, I, I traveled the Holy Rope. I went to Hong Kong. I went, talk of traveling. Cathay Pacific, I flew second, you know, 747, the upper deck. You know, yeah, I felt life was good, man. Business. And my wife was pleading with me to go and serve Jesus. I told her, I said, you have malaria. She said, how can you not love money? Eh? I've never seen a woman who doesn't like money. Why are you different? She was pleading with me. She said, no, you need to serve God. Brother, you see what's happened? I frustrated myself. In fact, some of my money is still in Taiwan today. Can't even retrieve it. I lost that money. Chasing what God is not in. Looking for water in dry well. And until Jesus appeared to me and asked me, are you now ready to preach this gospel? That's why I knew this thing is serious. And I gave up all that. It wasn't easy. It took me 10 years to finally give up all that. Why do we like to frustrate ourselves? Why do we like to engage in what God is not in? So tomorrow you say, the devil did this to me, the devil did that to me. Number two, prayer is having conversation with God. Conversation with God about your requests. It's making requests and having conversation with God about your request. Philippians.
by any stretch of definition of prayer, talking to Satan is not in the realm of prayer. You don't pray to the devil. I hear people, they spend all night casting out all manner of demons. I will wonder, the one they cast out yesterday, casting out another one this night for one year, every day. What happened? Maybe those ones they cast out come back. That's not prayer. So we went to prayer meeting. But all we did was cast out, talk to Satan. That's not prayer. Prayer is talking to God. You pray to God. Paul said, I bow my knees to God alone. That's what prayer is. Making your request known to God in a conversation. You know, I like in the last Life Center we had, the, you should all join Life Center. It's very, very awesome. The last Life Center we had, I read it there. And they said, don't drop the phone on God. See, many people drop the phone on God. They talk and talk, and they drop the phone. I'm done. They leave. What did God say? They didn't even allow God to say anything. So don't drop the phone on God. That should tell your neighbor never to drop the phone on God. God, hello, and you're praying, you're talking, talking, talking. As soon as you finish, you drop the phone, bam. That was a good line. I read it, it blessed me. Look at Moses in Exodus chapter 3, 12, 11, 12. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me. Now this is another thing we need to teach, how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, because many people don't know how. Many people just don't know how. And it's very important and very critical. In this praying with all manner of prayers and everything of your life, it's very important to know how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Very important. Very, very important. So now, Moses, Moses said, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. You know, if God told you to take something, you, you get up immediately. <laughs> you get up immediately. But he hasn't told you the plan. He hasn't told you any details. You jump out. I have ministry. God told me I have ministry. You jump out, ministry, ministry, and go fool yourself and deceive people. Take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. I don't have the details of this. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably unto you. If you had this from God, my ministry has started immediately. Are you kidding me? Ha, God says you know me by name. I have anointed. You, nobody can talk to you anymore. <laughs> Tartan, if it is true that you look favorably unto me, let me know your ways now <laughs> so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. So it's not this taking them. I want you to teach me how to take them. Let me teach me your ways, Lord. Conversation. Teach me your ways. It's about the will of God. God, you said this. God, you said this. Teach me how to execute it. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, look at prayer. This is prayer. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Tarting. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Sixteen. How will anyone know that you look favorably on us, on me, or on me and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you 
and I know you by name. Moses responded. Conversation. Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you, for I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one can see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock, Christ. Stand near me on this rock as my gracious grace, presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock in Christ. He said, I will show mercy, Moses, to people I will show mercy. But let me show you how I will do it. You stand on this rock by faith, then I will put you in this rock myself. God puts us in the body of Christ. In this rock, and cover you with my hand until I pass. Our life is hid in Christ and Christ in God. God is demonstrating his plan of salvation right here. Telling Moses, what you asked, this is the way it works. It's, I'll show mercy on whom I choose. This mercy can be earned. It can be earned. It's my gracious presence. But you have to stand on the rock, and I'll hide you in this rock. If you are not in this rock, you will see my presence. And that rock is Jesus. But see conversation. Conversation. Second Corinthians 12, 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that I, it might depart from me nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, Paul, he said, three times I went to the Lord. I didn't hang the phone on him. Three times he spoke back to me. Each time I go, he will repeat this. And God didn't say, I told you this before. Why about him? No. God of all patience, he repeated it for him. When you talk, what will you say God told you? So we hang the phone on God. Job tells us never to hang the phone on God. We remember we're talking about praying with all prayer, so we're trying to lay this foundation. So when we go to this prayer with all prayers, you will also be able to pray them correctly and get answers. So Job 23:3, if only I knew where to find God. This is a man in the Old Testament. I will go to his to his court. I will lay out my case. See what prayer is? Moses was laying out his case according to the word of God. God, you said this. God, you said this. God, you said this. You are where your people. I will lay out my case and present my arguments. Like Moses did, verse 5 is important. Then I will listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. That's called prayer. Don't hang the phone on God. Job knew that when you talk to God, he tells you something. I will listen. But do we know how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit? You know, when people don't know the voice of God, they go to men. That's what the young man did. Samuel. When God spoke to him, he went to man of God. 
It's good to go to man of God. It's good to go to pastors. But when you, but the man told him, the next time he speaks, you say, this is the voice of God. And the Bible said, the voice of God had not been revealed to him by that time. But it's been revealed to us. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And they, they follow me. Then, I'm not saying you shouldn't go to people to counsel you. It's important that we do that. But what I'm trying to say is that people who follow pastors around, pray for me, do this for me. They are babies. They don't know the voice of God. They are babies. Looking for prophets to tell them what to do. They are babies. By the way, God didn't put prophets in the church to guide you. At all. God did not put prophets in the church, in the living church of Jesus to guide anybody. That's not their ministry. I won't find it anywhere in the New Testament. You won't find it anywhere at all. They're not like the prophets of the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they depended on them because they didn't have the spirit, all of them. But we have the spirit of God. We are sons of God to guide us, to lead us. So you don't need a prophet to tell you anything. That's by the way. So now we know that when you pray, you should hear him. He should talk back to you. Look at Acts 4.24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth, and, and the sea and all that them is, Who's, who by the mouth of thy servant David said, see, Moses said, God, this is what you said. These people said, God, this is what you said. 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 Why did the heathens rage and the people imagine vain things? 26. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For faith truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatever their hand had and counsel determined before to do. Like they are gathering today, powerful governments and things, making laws that are, that are ungodly, insulting the authority of the Lord. The, God said the longest time, He said, The rulers of this earth, they will gather against me. So let's finish this. 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thy hand, you see, the request is to fulfill the will of God. That Jesus said, as my father sent me, so I sent you. So they're saying, Lord, you see the, the challenge here? You said it already. So we were going to go out there and face the challenge. Now, you see, this part of the things about the Bible says praying with all prayers. They were faced with challenge. And they pray this prayer called United Prayer to be able to overcome that challenge and God anointed them with power. This one example of praying with all prayers that Paul is talking about in the spirit, not flesh. Not flesh, in the spirit. So let's see what happened when they prayed. Now when they had prayed, verse that one, the place was shaking where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's why Paul said, pray with all prayer. There are prayers that God will, will inspire you to pray because of the challenges that you're facing. This is a typical example. See, that's why you need to know the scriptures. You are basing your prayer upon. Many people don't care about scriptures and they pray with ignorance. Again, the Holy Spirit said, my people are destroyed 
for lack of knowledge. Look at what Jesus said. John 15, 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. If my words remain in you. See, these disciples say, God, this is what you said. Moses said, God, this is what you said. You don't bring your wisdom to God. You bring his will and his wisdom. And base your prayer on that. Again, when you come to God, come with expectation. Okay, before I talk of expectation, let me even warn us. Listen. Listen to me very well. When you are confronted with demonic attacks and things, praying to God to, to come and fight your battles is a waste of time. You will lose. It's total waste of time. God gave you authority in Christ to use. God will expect you to rise up and use that authority. This praying with all prayers is not, doesn't take the place of you being responsible for resisting evil and rebuking the devil in the name of Jesus and pleading the blood of Jesus against, against them. God expects you to do all of that. So it doesn't take its place. But as we go to study it, we're going to find that it's rightful play like we showed now that they were challenged and they sought God and God anointed them. That prayer is to, is to, is to give you instruction, give you revelation, anoint you, inspire you and stuff like that. And even to intervene in some issues. But it's the Holy Spirit that has to inspire it. It must be inspired by the Holy Spirit. You don't choose it. I just wanted to make that clear. So when we come with God, we need to come with expectation. Expectation. Hebrew 3, 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and don't believe in turning you away from the living God. When you come to God with unbelief, you don't believe God, you cannot access God. You're not going to have fellowship with him. He says it will turn you away. You don't agree with God. So how can God walk with you? God doesn't agree with what you believe. So how can he walk with you? So you can't come to God with evil heart of unbelief. That's why it's important to have scriptures in you to build that faith before you go. Look at what the Bible says about a doubting heart never received anything from God at all. Doesn't. James 1 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, when you pray with unbelief, you have no expectation. You don't agree with God. You don't believe God. You get nothing. You he said, don't think you receive anything. You're not going to receive anything. We should come to God without fear. All this prayer, we should come to God without fear. Hebrews 4, 14. Come trusting in the Lord, Jesus, and his blood that guarantees us mercy always. That is the basis of coming to God. Don't you dare come to God on your own good works. You will draw zero. You None of us has name recognition before God. Don't come and plead how good you are all this kind of junk. You come for one reason. God said to Moses, I'll show mercy to whom I will show Stand on this rock. I hide you in this rock. You can see my presence. You can't look at my face. You'll die. 
but I show you my presence. If you don't stand on the rock, you can't see the presence of God. So look at Hebrews 4, 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This mercy and grace is from, because of the rock. God says, I'll show mercy upon whom I'll show mercy. But you are going to stand on the rock. Because of the rock. Look at Hebrew 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Stand on this rock, Moses. I will hide you to be in it. You don't have any name recognition, Moses. You don't. It's this rock that will bring you to my presence. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nobody comment unto the Father except by me. Don't have it, I don't have it. So look at what he says in Hebrews 10, 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. 20, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. By his death, his death opened this new way of faith in him that will get to, that takes us to God. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere heart, fully trusting him. No heart of unbelief. Fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with the Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering. To this hope we are found. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Before we close, I want to show you the man who went to plead his good works. Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and title and position and fasting and whatever they do, whatever they do, all manner of things we do. Are we saying fasting is not good? Fasting is good, very wonderful, but it has its own place. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their, their own righteousness, what they have done, and scorned everyone else. Ten, two, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a, a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Now he's pleading his own goodness. I thank thee, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery. And this is what he do, did. That's their life. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven. As he prayed, instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. God said, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy, but you stand on the rock. For though then Jesus said in verse 14, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned him justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, 
those who humble themselves and say, I am nothing, Christ is everything to me, they will be exalted. Let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you as you are preparing us, giving us the foundation so that we can pray with our prayers and have good results so that our joy shall be full. We're so grateful to you. Thank you for what you taught us tonight. Wonderful, Lord. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hello, church. Thank you for joining us for this week's Bible study. Please join us again next Thursday by visiting